0: I'm Garth Tannen. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney.
1: We're
2: the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Oh yeah!
0: It's the Fabian Coulthard Show. Fans want to see different winners. They don't want to see the same faces winning week in, week out. Featuring... GT and J Yeah, very happy to finally get a result for Holden. Great to you got maximum points. And how long will Wing Cup stay in the series? I'd probably look at going somewhere else if you know what I mean. We look back on some of Tazzy's greatest hits today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8
3: Insiders.
0: Race 7 of the championship finally saw a triple-eight stranglehold broken in 2009, while Scarf Tander taking victory after cold conditions in the top-ten shootout, seeing the HRT runner make the most of the warm tyres. By the end of the run, GT was solidly on the top of the podium.
2: Yeah, there's plenty going on with, um, you know, when cars are pitting and coming out and what's
1: going on on the tyre and... Um, who's for position and who's not and then uh, at the end then when we were lapping track it was uh, it was on for young and old a little so um, it was busy the whole race. Um, obviously there's a bit of unknown about it. the sprint tyre would, would work here in these cold conditions on a very short lap and um, our car was very very good. All race. Um, just tried to manage the gap as much as I could all the way through the race so that I could look after the tyre at the end but um, yeah, it went
2: away a little bit right at the end there but the speed was still very good. So.
0: Russell Ingall had the run of the race finishing second. With a switch-o-change-o move on the left front to the right rear, the soft tyre giving him the fastest car at the end of the race. But traffic on the final laps perhaps stopped him from getting the victory.
2: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty average steering by a few drivers. We found something that was been hindering us all year in the new car. It was just something in the build, and um, the boys, to their credit, found it last night, and uh, instantly we got pace, so... Uh, at least that's fixed and out of the way, so I think the car's where it probably should have been at the beginning of the year, so... Um, and like Garth said, it's good to have Holden's back up there again. You know, we are getting a bit sick of the one-horse race, but uh, I think the boys have got to, got to look in their mirrors now. I think we're uh, getting back on track. Garth was...
0: Stephen Johnson kept Triple a's podium streak alive, taking out third place in the Jim Beam Falcon.
2: A few traffic dramas
0: like, uh, like the other boys did, and I'm sure most of the guys up the front did, so... Um, you know, that obviously needs to be looked at and the, and the blue flags need to be looked at because there was um, definitely no blue flags out there. Uh... Sunday's race of 200 kilometres brought as much drama as the 100 kilometres on the previous day, with the mix of sprint and standard tyres and two fuel stops beating some teams at their own game. The race was punctuated by a number of wrecks, none bigger than the shunt between James Courtney and Dale Wood which prompted this response from the Jim Beam Gold driver to Big Pond Sports, Briar Gunther.
4: I kept driving into the side of me like Todd did yesterday, same team. <laughs> Different driver, but um, but no, yeah, he just made a mistake in the last corner. I got up beside him, he just kept turning into me and uh, hit me in the rear and just fired me off. So uh, maybe he needs a bit more experience before he comes into the main game and maybe he should go back to the development series and have another season. So, uh, you know, these are expensive cars and, you know, people are here. Doing it for a living, then they haven't got their dad paying like he has. So um, you know, I've, it's a career for me, it's not something a hobby on the side. So you know, it's cost not only to me
3: a result, but
4: the team, you know, financially, and also you know we can't develop the cars because they have to repair them. So it's you know, it's very disappointing.
0: Dale Wood defended his position.
4: Well, uh, you know, he wrecked his own race and my race, and, uh, and it's not the first time he's done that to somebody, and it's probably not going to be the last time either. So um, I think I've got plenty of experience, can race with guys all day long, but when he doesn't give me enough room and decides to try and run me off the track, well, he's going to
0: risk uh, ending his own race, which is exactly what he did. So. At the end of the run, FPR's Mark Winterbottom found a couple of offs in the chicane, putting him back down the order. Leaving Jamie Wingcup to make it five out of eight races this season. And to think he thought he'd been off the rails after Winton. Yeah, much better day.
4: Um, yesterday was tough. You know, we come down here we we knew we had good speed, but just couldn't get everything together, so we regrouped overnight, um, great this morning qualifying, that was, that was good fun, and then the race. Our engineers are, are, are keeping us up to date
0: on what's going on, but um, it must be so hard for the fans, they must just see 30 cars going round and round. Will Davison came home in second, keeping the HRT fans happy, even if Holden's parent company, General Motors, was about to fall into bankruptcy. Davison's result of a second and fourth place last year would have given him the round win. But that was not on his mind following the event. I'm very delighted
4: you know uh, this year we've been I don't want to play the points game but you've got to be sensible as well so you know we haven't had the most ideal qualifying positions the last couple of rounds but we've been able to fight back with a great car and uh, you know we've, we've really kept the points tally ticking over really nicely and even yesterday was a bit of a shame with qualifying the speed's there in the car it's just my newness to the team and, and uh, just trying to hit the sweet spot we've sort of been just missing the,
0: the nail a little bit. The driver of the race was Wilson Securities Fabian Coulthard, who got Paul Cruikshank's team his first ever podium finish. With his teammate Michael Brachizzi in ninth position, it was the best ever result for Wilson Security Racing.
2: We're a bit unsure of the strategy we're going to run, and we sort of uh, played. We looked at what everyone else was doing and um,
4: sort of took it from there and that decided what we were going to do throughout the race. So we started off on our soft
2: tyre and, um, you know, tried to make the most but uh, had a bit of drama at the hip and got a shove from behind and we dropped a few spots so that didn't help. But, you know, all things aside, the car was great,
4: the team gave me a good strategy and uh, we come away with a good result.
0: Rick Kelly, who is celebrating his 100th V8 supercar event start, could not have been more disappointed with the result as a whole, it was our worst points event of the, of the season, but
1: we showed what we're capable of today. I was running third on the track there with car speed to win the race. So, I mean, for the whole team, that should give us good confidence. And, and to be honest with you, I'm extremely frustrated with that because there was oil on the track and I couldn't do anything about it. And, um, we, you know, we just need to take that frustration to Darwin and turn it into
0: results. And I don't think we can do that. So, after eight races in the championship, the tally is. Jamie Wing Cup on 1044, Will Davison on 948, Stephen Johnson on 753, Garth Tander and Lee Holsworth tied on 723 points apiece. Off the track and Splittergate continues as the stewards throughout the protest by five Holden teams, citing that the lodgement of the protest fell outside the time limits allowed, and there was no exceptional circumstances that would allow the protest to be heard. The teams have now moved the matter to the Court of Appeal on the tenth of june. From the Britney Spears, whoops, I did it again file, V8 supercars have missed a clause on the Nissan Safety Car Program that stated certain products could not be displayed on the car. When the car rocked up at Tassie, the True 4X stickers were removed from the car, which now sees speculation over the future of the Safety Car Program. Applications for the Indurbo Alt Cards have closed with four weeks' wait, till the additional four cars will be announced. And finally, Jamie Winkup is currently negotiating his driving future, with many at 888 disappointed it is being done so publicly. But is this a real indication that he's seriously considering to move from the V8 Supercar Championship if they bring the soft tyre in for all rounds.
5: Now, if we had this soft tyre for every round, then I'd
0: probably look at going somewhere else, if you know what I mean. Perhaps one of the most overlooked comments of last weekend. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. Next up, it's a big round table with Tazzy's own Barry Oliver and V8X's Neville Wilkinson. I hope you'll stay with us.
2: Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders.
0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools.
3: You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing... V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders.
1: This week, joining us, the Lord Mayor of Motorsport in Tasmania, one none other than Barry Oliver. Great to have you back on the show,
5: Barry. Thank you very much, Craig, and it's nice to join you.
1: And also the Editor-in-Chief of V8X Magazine, Neville Wilkinson. Good to have you back on the show too, Nev.
5: G'day, Craig.
4: G'day, Barry. G'day, listeners.
1: It is after a very exciting and interesting round of racing at Simmons Plains. And, Barry, the racing last weekend was probably some of the best we've seen in years down there, uh, brought about by some controlled rule changes since we were last there.
5: Well certainly there's been uh, some quite significant changes as far as the regulations are concerned and uh, it's thrown up all sorts of um, unknowns I guess and that's certainly what we experienced but I must admit I was a bit taken by surprise when I found that 15 of the cars started the race on Saturday on the soft compound tyres. I wasn't quite expecting that but of course that, uh, that just makes it very interesting doesn't it? But uh, at the end of the day it was good to see that Holden finally got their first win for the season.
1: And that was it, Neville. We'd been asking how long, and I would imagine there would be a few naysayers walking around the pit saying, we knew those splitters were uh, making the difference.
4: Well, that that was definitely the talk of the weekend in regards to scuttlebutt. Um, And, yeah, sure, you had a few people saying, yeah, see, look how good... uh, Team Vodafone are going now that they don't have this uh, this flexible splitter mount or whatever you'd call it. Um, but yeah, that might have happened on the uh, Saturday, but uh, it was all put to rest on the Sunday.
1: And that was the thing, wasn't it, uh, Barry? That it it the new tyre combinations with uh, no safety car periods in race one and the f- the fueling rules. It just did offer that opportunity to um, juggle things up and, and then, of course, going out first when your tyres were still hot in the uh, shootout was uh, an also a very big factor.
5: Well, it certainly was. Uh, I mean, Garth had been struggling in qualifying and uh, uh, the fact that he was able to be the first one to go out when his tyres were warmer than everybody else's certainly helped him as uh, far as that pole position on Saturday was concerned. Sunday, of course, as you say, it was situation normal with... Uh, Jamie Wincup coming to the fore again, Uh, but I've got to say that uh, there were some standout performances, not the least of which on Sunday I thought was Fabian Coulthard giving uh, the Paul Cruickshank team their first podium, and uh, I I thought that was fantastic. And you have to wonder, Neville, um, and I'm sure you were taking note of this, just where Fabian may have finished up had he not got caught up behind a couple of uh, lapped cars, and I think that was um, something that could have uh, really changed the complexion of the uh, result.
4: Well, I, I'd say half Australia was thinking of that. Or anybody who watched the telecast would have uh, thought exactly the same thing. In fact, I'll go a step further. They would have been, what the heck is uh, Paul Dumbrell doing, blocking like he did? Maybe he was playing tail gunner for, uh, for Will Davison, because as we know, he's part of the, uh, the whole Walkinshaw racing outfit. And I'm sure there's people out there, uh, you probably probably see it on the, uh, some of the, the forums now, people saying, hey, he's playing the team rule
1: well that is that is one of the big things but i'll go back to race seven because the man who did that on the saturday was none other than russell ingle in the super cheap auto racing commodore and he was once again in the position where he had uh, used some pit strategy to get him a a very good handling car at the end of the race as well
5: well Well, i've got to say that uh, i wasn't aware of it until afterwards but for the benefit of the listeners um, they in fact came up with a speedway trick and that was that uh, when they came in, they put the left front tyre on the right rear and vice versa. The reason for that is because Simmons Plains is predominantly left-hand turns, and it means that the right rear tyre is the one that's doing the most of the work. The left front is doing very little. So they did the diagonal swap, and as we saw at the end of race 7, his car was extremely quick. And I've got to tell you guys, I spoke with Roland Dane on Sunday morning, and he was very quick to praise the super cheap team his comment to me was that was really smart thinking and uh, maybe we should be looking at something like that
1: Mm, and it was fascinating to be watching some of the footage that the triple eight car had with the camera on the left front wheel and when they gave extended periods of watching that car through that camera you could just see how little contact it was making with the road throughout the course of a lap
5: Uh, Absolutely, I mean, uh, it's quite remarkable. I think the first time we saw that shot was probably back in 2007 at Bathurst and it really blew me away the first time I saw it and uh, I think the comment was made if the drivers actually got to see this they might think twice about travelling at the speeds. They do.
1: (laughs) Saturday's race, 100 kilometres in length and it set the stage having a different winner, having Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup back down the order, albeit not that far back down the order, but... I have to say, guys, the shootout does nothing for me. I wasn't down there, so I was an armchair viewer this weekend. And I have to say, that is the biggest waste of space. And and it's an even bigger crapshoot than uh, the Sunday qualifying.
4: You're talking about the uh, the top ten shootout on Saturday.
1: I'm talking about the top ten shootout on Saturday. It is rubbish and it is boring.
4: Well, it wasn't boring if you watched Richo's lap, it was at least, <laughs> I mean, obviously uh, FPR stuffed up on their strategy by giving him brand new tyres, not even, they hadn't even had the shine taken off them, and you could see what type of lap Richo did, he was, he was hitting everything that, was, that wasn't moving, <laughs> including, the, including the, uh, the arm co, he locked up a wheel in the first turn, I thought this is going to be a slow lap, but when he, when he gave the wall a whack, uh, coming out of turn three, if I'm wrong, Barry to three or four, it kind of like it was even worse. So um, you know, it was just a, it was just a diabolical lap all around, and that was probably the only bit of real excitement in the uh, in the top ten shootout. And to see if the guys, like you, uh, Barry uh, said earlier, Garth had warm the warmer tyres than anybody else, so he allowed him to do a faster lap than everybody else. And the the poor guy who qualified are uh, fastest for so the top 10 shootout, was, uh, wasn't even up there, he qualified 8th. Mm. Exactly. And I've got to go back
5: to what you were saying, Nev, you're quite right, I reckon that's probably the untidiest lap I've ever seen from Stephen Richards, and of course his day went from bad to worse, insofar as uh, he'd done a great job on the track in the race itself, stayed out longer than all of the other leading runners, came in, did he stop, got back out and in fact initially was in third position of the cars that had stopped, got passed by Steven Johnson at the hairpin but was looking for a solid top four finish and then had to come back in because the team shortchanged him by two litres of fuel. Um, so what this is really demonstrating is that these new regulations are putting a huge amount of pressure not just on the drivers but also on the teams and uh, uh, it was picked up, and so that's why Richo had to come in and make that quick stop towards the end, but it just blew his chances of a top four well, finish.
4: Mm. But, I, to me, that's such a, 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 well, it's not an easy mistake. That's an elementary mistake that should not have happened, not with a team of that caliber. And I'm no. quite disappointed but, that um, FPR did did do that mistake. I mean, someone's got to ask, someone's got to ask some questions and someone else has got to answer some questions because, like, that was shocking.
1: I'll mention to you this. FPR use a different system on their fueling rig because I don't know if you've noticed it, but they have a counter, a, a, a stopwatch, on the refueling rig. Now, that counter is set to go from the, uh, from the connection... Of the uh, fuel hoses. Now, if something hangs up, I think that counter starts running as soon as it starts to push. If something hangs up or the fuel road, and uh, perhaps they didn't allow for the colder weather, which made for heavier fuel, which makes for a slower time to run down the tube.
4: I, I, and Craig, I think you're running to, reading too much in it. They had a they had a an engineer or a mechanic looking at the gauge. And um, that engineer could have said, don't go yet or go, time to go. I mean, if... Uh, I yeah, but uh, if
1: the fuel man's looking at 30 seconds on I his think, stopwatch... I,
4: I think FPR are out, are out, um, out at, of their depth. Their pit stops to a standstill. If that's the case, they're getting too complicated. Let's go back to a guy looking at the gauge.
1: Yeah, but exactly. Th- but this is FPR we're talking things. about who had, you know, remember all the triggers and guns and stuff they had on their, on their pit board? last year it
4: doesn't work very well does it
1: what it's proved is spr is not improving in their pit stop strategy they've been out to lunch for years and now it's becoming even more critical barry
5: as as (laughs) um you know there's a thing called the kiss principle Mm. keep it simple stupid and uh, you know i think at times teams are just you know outsmarting themselves i tend to agree with neville on this and i would have thought bearing in mind just how critical this is going to be, 50 litres in Saturday's race, 100 litres over two stops in Sunday's race, that the teams, in fact, would have done a fair amount of testing to make sure that it would work. So something's fundamentally wrong there, and I think Tim Edwards would be the first one to say, listen, you know, we cocked up. Simple as that. And it cost Richo a top four. But, I mean, as I said before, the real point here is just how much pressure the teams are now under to get those cars in and out because two-tenths of a second extra in the pits now could be three or four positions on the road. Mm. One
1: person we haven't spoken about, but he was actually my pick for the weekend. Stephen Johnson finished a credible third on Saturday. We do need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more, 200 kilometres more, in fact, uh, in just a few moments.
2: The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
1: Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V Insiders.
3: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders,
1: V8 X's, Neville Wilkinson, and, well, I called him the law mayor of motorsport, but you'd almost be like the king of, the king of Tasmania, wouldn't you, Barry? You'd oh, certainly, I certainly not uh,
5: about that, uh, mate, but uh, I guess they know me pretty well down here. I've lived down here for over 60 years, and it's not a very big state. So, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Of, of course. And we, when your face appears in the paper every Saturday, you can't really get away from me.
1: Well, I was about to say, uh, is your column online for us who uh, aren't down on the Apple Isle?
5: Uh, Should be.
1: Well, we'll have to uh, get that web address off you before we leave here tonight. Guys, 200 laps... Oh, sorry, 200 kilometres on the Sunday. HRT was absolutely primed, ready to go because they had finally broken the 888 stranglehold and... It was looking like we were going to see some perhaps walk-and-shore domination, but at the end of the day, normal, uh, normal service was resumed. Jamie Winkup just showed that he is right at the top of his game, and 888 don't let anything keep them down for too long, Barry. Uh,
5: that's correct. Um, And you've got to say they did a great job. They bounced back from a pretty ordinary qualifying session on the Saturday uh, and bounced back with good qualifying on Sunday, albeit Craig missing out on a chance to run in the top ten. But uh, Jamie came back. But let's not forget that, in fact, the man who looked primed to take the win in this race was none other than Mark Winterbottom because uh, good strategy on this occasion from FPR in contrast to the previous day had got him out with a reasonable lead but unfortunately got a smack from uh, Greg Murphy up at the hairpin which turned Frosty around and uh, basically ruined the day. So he went from uh, a very good chance of taking the top spot on the podium and finished up in fourth position. The other thing I'd say about the the race, the 84-lap race at Simmons Plains on uh, Sunday, and bear in mind that I made a point of going out into spectator land, as it were, is that from a spectator's point of view, it has now become unbelievably complicated and it's almost impossible for the fans to follow what's happening. With all these pit stops, with the soft compound tyres, etc., etc., I just said to a guy beside me, Who's leading this race? And this was about 20 laps in. He said, mate, I have not got expletive deleted a clue. So it is getting very complicated as far as the fans are concerned.
4: There was a subject also in the the V8X hire car on the way back home from the track, and we said that that's an issue with the punters, is not knowing uh, where someone is or who's leader. And it's almost like they need to investigate uh, invest into a, a tower just a tower that shows at the top it's almost like the a tower that they have at indianapolis does not have to be that high obviously so it shows the leader um and down and go down and you can see uh positions of them it's all, they've got the tower at bathurst they've got a permanent one there It needs to be a tower like that mm. uh, even if it only shows the top 10 at least you know who is leading
1: i tell you what i agree entirely with you, Neville. And uh, it would have to be if you wanted to have a uh, a full um a full tower of all drivers It would almost be as tall as the Indy one Because the Indy one goes down to 35 so...
4: But the thing is the thing is, It doesn't need to be that big They don't need to have all 30 cars They just need to show the tops however many yep. And it doesn't take that much to, to, to rig something Because you could build a portable one yep. That's oh, what you're They need to build a portable one that goes to all the rounds
1: yep. And particularly the rounds like Simmons Plains, Winton um, When you get over to the west Where the track is so, And Queensland Raceway Where the track is so easily viewable from all vantage points. You well, make it a triangle or something like that so everyone can see it.
4: On Simmons Plains, your cars are lapping other cars. Oh, it's
1: That's fantastic.
4: They do. They're always all together. It's great you know, with all that, but you need to let people know who the leader is. Yep,
1: yep. Uh, agree entirely. Guys, uh, w- did you like the 200-lap race? That is, uh, sorry, the 200-kilometre race. I thought that... Oh, I, oh, I was really shaky about these long races, and I know Russell Engel spoke to me last year and said... These things are going to be boring as batshit if they don't get these things, if they don't get the mix right. And I'd have to say it really, it was exciting. I think Channel Seven, because I was a TV armchair watcher this time, needed to let Aaron Noonan do some calling to keep it clear because they had um, who was it, Larco, Scaifey and uh, Crompton just trying to point score on each other most of the afternoon. And if Noonan could have got in there with a bit of race calling, I think it would have been clearer because. I, I could tell you there's a few people sitting next to me that were saying, who the heck's leading? And we at least had the ticker.
4: Yeah, well, I, yeah. Uh, I I, think I liked it to... To answer the first question, I liked the 200k race. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I liked how, in the end, it came down to the three to four cars there, uh, battling if you include uh, uh, bottom in on it. Um, and so it was um i think there was always something going on there was always people moving through the field there was always there was even if you had access to it you even knew who was on the soft tires and how many laps they had on those soft tires so you we were even trying to judge oh he's got less laps on his soft tires so he's going to be able to last be able to go faster longer if you know what i mean so there was i think i think they got the mix right um i'd like to see more races at length even maybe a bit longer um, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't wait to the next soft tyre round.
5: Well, what about you Barry? Uh, look, I don't have a problem with it. As I say, uh, p- looking at it purely from a spectator's point of view, it was extremely confusing. Um, now, you can quite reasonably argue, well, the best thing for the fans is You don't rely on the PA system as good as it was at Simmons, but the fact of the matter is when you've got 30 V8s on the track, on a very short track, you're going to miss a big percentage of what's coming through the speakers. So you've got to have your FM receiver, and I think that's an area where, quite frankly, V8 supercars have got to do a lot more work in terms of educating their fan base, and secondly, they've got to have those units available at the track. There's no point in saying switch on your radio to whatever FM channel if you haven't got your FM receiver so uh, th- they've got to do that I don't have a problem with the commentary per se but I do have a problem with the link between the commentary and what the fans are getting out there on the on the mound
1: mm. Well we touched on Fabian Coulthard's run and it was fantastic and, and you know you just have to wonder if Triple uh, Eight keeps selling the top quality equipment and Fabian is getting that experience he needs um, they might find themselves getting beaten by their customers very very soon now.
4: Well oh fabian's uh uh weekend especially the sunday was uh well they did their strategy on saturday where they didn't use any of the soft tires they say they're soft tires for the longer race uh, and then you know fabian's a good driver i think he is a definite star of the future i think he's proven that i think i think he's secured his long-term future within the sport because if if he doesn't continue to pcr which i've got no doubt he probably is um, someone else will come along and snap him up because he's definitely got the credentials and definitely got the speed. Um, but it, uh, PCR had a good strategy on the on the Sunday, and they quite could have been further up on the podium. I know he finished third, but if it wasn't for some lap cars, he could have been could have been second, maybe even first, because he's definitely fast at the end there. Um, but he was definitely to me. He was the hero of the round in that regard. I, I just think he, he looked he looked fantastic, and and the teams come along in great stride, and the equipment is part of it. But uh, they're going to have to go. They've got to do a lot more work to challenge those Team Vodafone cars for sure.
5: Mm. Can I just add a, a quick comment to what Neville's just said, and I agree with everything you've said, uh, Neville. Let, let's not forget, by the way, that um, Paul Cruiksheng's team actually finished up with two cars in the top ten because Correct. best result ever for Michael Patrizzi. And, uh, you know, I think that that young guy is starting to show that he can, in fact, drive a V8 supercar. Uh, it's a big deal to come into this category. ninth place in that field over 84 laps, I thought, was a great result.
1: I agree. I was actually just about to bring it up because it's their first year as a two-car team, Wilson Security Racing, and their first ever top uh, finish with both cars in that top ten. Look, a couple other people that did some solid results was, uh, once again, Lee Holdsworth. Russell Lingle backed it up with a sixth place. Jason Bright had a good run getting up to seventh. Jason Barguana, what a what a diametrically opposed day one team can have. Jason Barguana finishes in the top ten. Greg Murphy he's knocked from pillar to post by just about anyone that had a bumper on their
4: car. Or anybody who had FPR on their car.
1: Well, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> no, well,
5: come hey, but... on. The
1: rest
4: of the world saw how Stephen drove appallingly. Oh, I, can't, I, I can't say it any other way. I mean, how many times you got to whack a guy in the back, and let's face it, okay, it's not easy to drive these things. These guys are racing because they're skillful, but... I mean, Murphy's car was a wreck just after those times when Stephen hit him, let alone when, when Stephen then uh, lost it going into the hairpin and then finally took Murphy out. Well, that was frosty.
2: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee
0: Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
5: No, Frosty didn't lose no, it. No, it no, no. No, it was
4: Steve. It was Steve. Frosty yeah. got hit by Murphy. That oh, was that's the, right.
5: The yeah. situation.
4: But there, was, yeah. but, but there was Steve. The Steve is what turned Murphy around when, when exactly. Steve lost it. But how many times did he hit Murphy before he lost it? I mean, there was at least three replays on the television where you just see Stephen just centre punch Murphy right in the back. And, uh, Murphy did well not to lose it on several occasions because of that. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And uh,
5: cop this, Neville. Guess what those two guys were doing on Monday here in Tasmania?
4: Well, were they? Did they go trail bike riding?
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as I know, they did. <laughs>
4: <laughs> one went one direction and one went the other direction. All right. <laughs>
1: yeah, probably. Yeah. But guess what? That is the beauty about what what happens on the track is there's no resemblance to any friendships you might have offered. Um, I'm not sure about this particular case. <laughs> though. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it was it was it was good viewing. Look, uh, guys, uh, just finally the Courtney lament. I think we would have to call it because, uh, again, for not the first time this season, he's sat on the sidelines and watched the race finish. And uh, he, You know, he's a, he's a confidence player and his confidence is very low. This one, not caused by him, but uh, it's still, it doesn't help to be watching races.
5: Well, well Nev, I'll, I've got to ask you the question. You were the armchair man this time and I was at the other end of the circuit. But the message I'm getting loud and clear is that he just cut down a bit too soon on Dale Wood, who apparently had done everything he could to stay out of his way, so what was it shown on television?
4: Well, it's showed on television that Dale Wood, well, I, see I don't know what lead, it was leading up to the passing move, and uh, maybe Wood was keeping it fairly tight on Courtney because Courtney may have given him a bit of a whack on the way pass or something like that, who knows? Well, I do know Dale Wood was probably challenging uh, on the outside of a corner that he was never going to win. Um, and he was fairly tight on on Courtney and basically the two cars touched and, and Courtney's right rear climbed over the front left of uh, Dale so you know that's one of those things that happened and that's what ended up throwing Courtney into the wall um, and did a lot of damage to that car again it's the second time that, that chassis had a decent whack um, so uh, I reckon Dale could have probably given him a bit more room, Courtney may, you know, may not have could have maybe backed off a little bit but courtney definitely had the inside run he was already ahead of him um so you know a bit of maybe a bit of inexperience there um who knows it's like you said it's give and take and they're under heated conditions racing so sometimes this this stuff goes down
1: well i don't think wood could have got any lower because he ran the ripple strip and it was actually running the ripple strip that sort of moved him out which then made the contact So he was trying to keep it tight.
4: What are you saying, Wood couldn't get any lower?
1: Well, he can't. If you've run up the ripple strip, you're not getting any lower on the racetrack. Wood was on driver's well, left, Courtney was coming around the outside Side of him. Yeah, so if he no runs up no, the ripple no, strip which no. throws the car to the right,
4: I the contact with happens. Okay, You go, both of you guys better go back and look at the <laughs> television set here. Courtney was on the inside, Wood was on the outside, Courtney's wheel ran over, like I said, Courtney's right rear ran over Wood's left front and, and got Courtney all crossed up, speed him off the track. Now go back and look at the television sets, Courtney was on the inside, passing Wood. Wood was no way it was ever going to get, you know, challenge Courtney.
1: I guess okay, my I'll... question was, how's well, his confidence? Was on
4: the inside, Courtney was on the ripple strip. Wood probably could have given him a bit more room.
1: All right, how's his confidence though, going up to Tasmania, uh, going up oh, to Northern Territory?
4: <laughs> it's crap, isn't it? And he's going with a car that's going to be repaired for the second time. So he's going to be thinking, I hope I, hope I don't bend this thing again, or I hope it doesn't, something doesn't break on it. I mean, the team's spending all that money. Um, they're probably going, you know, you know it's, it's, it's not good. Things are breaking. It's costing money. You know, try and keep your nose clean. You know, but you can't keep your nose clean when, when things like that happen on the track. Like I said, they're racing under heated conditions, and... Um, stuff happens hmm. you know you, you know that there's some serious tire walls there at um at, in darwin you've been the car easy enough there marcus Ambrose, i think rolled one didn't he <laughs>
1: it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how james bounces back guys uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to have the gas and go in the white flag lap right after this break welcome back to the, the van insiders it's white flag lap time and well uh, this conversation has been so good we're going to carry it over to the white flag lap and gas and go five questions three minutes it should be fun starting from now barry oliver should we find some more short tracks for the series to run on after what we've seen at winton and now at Sim-
5: well if you listen to greg murphy the answer is an absolute categoric no he's now calling for simmons planes at 2.4 kilometers and Barbagallo's the same length to be extended because he says it's too short. So um, I guess the fans love it, but uh, the message from Murph, and he's been very vocal about this and some safety issues as well, is definitely not we need to extend the circuits.
4: Yep. Well, me, um, I uh, first of all, I think they should get more short tracks, or just get more um, uh, tracks, right? I'd like to see more rounds. I want to see the, uh, keep the short tracks because Barry just said it, the fans loved it. Forget the drivers, shut up and drive. The fans love it, that's what's going to get in there. Um, I thought it was great. More short tracks, bring it on.
1: Is Cam McConville trying to get passing points brought into the series? Because this is about time number three where he started off the back row and finished in the top ten.
5: Barry? I think think he did an amazing job. I mean, he started from 30th position in uh, race seven and finished up 13th. He started 26th in race 8 and finished up 13th. He's got this thing about 13th, but no, I thought it was a great effort indeed. And we were talking about confidence a few moments ago. This has got to be a bit of a confidence boost for him, quite frankly, because he hasn't been doing very well in qualifying, but he's obviously got great race pace and he's been
4: passing a lot of cars. Mm. I I suppose when you take lessons from Russell Ingall about qualifying, because we all know Russell isn't a very good qualifier, but a good racer um yeah of course you're going to pass a lot of cars if you're if you're a racing skill or, well if you're on during the race you're going to you know you're going to make up time but yeah you need to improve his qualifying he'll do a lot better
1: okay yeah. nev you started on the on the super speedway there at calder park how many more speedway tricks do you reckon the dude's got up his sleeve
4: Oh, I don't know. You need to get Boris Head back out here, which I think you might have for Bathurst. Um, who knows? Once someone does that, everybody copies it. I remember the first year when they had fuel stops in Adelaide, which I think was the first year of Adelaide. John Faulkner, uh, they had to do the tyre stop and the fuel stop at separate t- times. John Faulkner did them both in like quick concession, like did one lap and then come in and did, did the tyre stop and then did the fuel stop. Right, and he was leading the race, everybody, from then on, everybody used to do that type of thing until a, until the complexion of the race changed and safety cars and things like that. So, you know, I don't think there's too many more uh, things you can do speedway-wise. Uh, well, I really wouldn't know
5: with a dude. He has spent a fair amount of time in the States, so you never know. But he's not giving anything away, that's for sure. But I thought it was a great move, And. I think Neville's right. We're going to see this happen again for sure.
1: I can't wait to see him up at Queensland race, uh, no, up at Townsville, when he jumps into the Fujitsu series and see what sort of soft, soft, hard speedway tri- tricks he uh, tries on the uh, Fujitsu regulars. That's uh, going to be some fun for me. Is it fair that a 100 kilometer race, Neville will concern, scores the same as a 200 and a 250 and fifty-kilometre race?
4: Because, it, it, just because it's 100 k's or 200 k's. That's not the, That's that's irrelevant. It's the, it's 100k is treated differently than a 200k, so it's different strategies. Um, so yes, the same. I couldn't I couldn't care whether one's longer or shorter.
1: Give them the same points,
5: Barry. You agree? Yeah. Look, I'm of the same view, and uh, you know, once we start splitting it up because we think you know, 100 versus 200, the next thing you'll be saying, oh, well, this track is a bit more difficult to race on than the other one. Let's not complicate it any more for the fans, for God's sake. We've got enough complications as it is.
1: All right, then uh, Barry, how good will the new rules make a track like Queensland Raceway where we've seen what it's done for Winton and for Simmons Plains?
5: Well, Queensland Raceway is, what, 3.1 uh, k's from memory, so it, it is a longer circuit. You can see the entire circuit. It may be easier for the fans to, uh, to keep tabs on what's happening, and it would be a little bit easier for the teams because they're not going to have to worry so much about the possibility of going down a lap if you're back in the pack when you do your stops.
4: Yeah, well, I agree. Um, I mean, let's face it: the paperclip is a paperclip. They're not going to change the layout of the track. Um, they're sure they're just going to mix it up a bit, uh, similar to Winton and uh, to Tassie. Um, but you know, you'll see, you may see that definite over from the from the front, because you might see them switch the the front right to the rear left because predominantly it's uh, right-hand turns at that track so you might see a bit of that Speedway stuff happening.
1: All right, then. Look, it's been great having you both on the show. V8X is out now, and it has Craig Lowndes on the cover with that uh, hot fluoro pink headline.
4: (laughs) We we like to call it hot fluoro orange, but anyway, in the eye of the beholder. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> and, Barry, we'll get that website for people who want to read your oh, column. Yes, to... The easiest way is just to, to log on to the Examiner newspaper. That's the easiest way, and you'll find it there without any problem at all. All right, Barry, great to have you back on the show.
1: Look forward to chatting with you very soon. Thank you. And also to Neville Wilkinson, that's the V8 Insiders for another week as the checker flag waves. We will be back next week. Keep smiling, and bye for now.
2: Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.